Tomorrow is Wednesday. Well, today is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Y'all right? Just <laughs> doing math in my head. Okay. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. And Neil away with Holla. Tech wants the puck. Is on the left side. But in. Holla scores! Eric Holla says good night. January 22nd, uh, 2020, uh, I am James Cole of the Laced Up Podcast. What what math were you doing? I was going to let our, our listeners know that we are uh, a mere 18 days away from uh, Oscar Day. Oh. Oscar Day. Oh, okay. 18 days. Oh, so it, yeah, it's the, the, the math could have waited. It could have. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought you were doing math as to like try to figure out what day it is. I'm like, well, it's after midnight. You can just fucking look down. Uh, carry the two. There's yeah. seven days. That's yeah. leap year this year. Yeah, wait, so, so it's going to be out today. Yeah. So just look at the calendar and pick the day. Yeah. Uh, I'm Bruce Pataglia from the north side. Nice article, by the way. Thank you. I like that. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a fun one, actually. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't... Uh, luckily, I don't like... You know, it's a lot more fun to grade the Leafs of 2019-2020 than it would have been to grade the Leafs of 2009-2010. Mm. Um, cause I had a lot more positive things to say about even like the bad players on the team. So my only, uh, my only complaint, hmm. uh, was that there was no great, uh, grade for either of the coaches. Uh, <laughs> I was really looking forward to seeing like Sheldon Keefe with a B and Mike Babcock with a D and you know, I, I'm not going like to lie that. to you. I probably would have given Mike Babcock an F. That's fair. I'm not going to lie. Like, I just, I, 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 I like the genuinely idea failed. I like the I like the headline of "Cock Gets a D." You know that that would be, oh okay. That would be good, so, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're out here trying to do is please the people and True. throw out as many sexual innuendos uh, attached to sports as we can. Yeah, what do you think laced up means? Sports sports is already like really laden with sexual innuendos anyway. You know what I mean? Especially baseball. Yeah, ba- baseball has got to be the king of it. It's you it, know the entire structure of that. Well, sport. the whole thing. Did you get to first base? You know the whole analogy there. Yeah. Did you hit a home run? Like, what, you know, what base did you get to? I like honestly. Uh, did, did you ever talk like that? I don't like. I, I never understood that. Not really. No. I, I never really took the time to learn the the moves. The bases. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You think a baseball guy came up with that? I can't imagine. No. No. It wasn't like slaying in the dressing room that the boys were ever tossed see, around. You ever see the Seinfeld episode with Keith Hernandez and he's just. Uh, He's dating Elaine. Have you ever have you ever never seen that one? I may not have. So Jerry is like at the gym with George and they meet Keith Hernandez, who at the time was playing for the Mets. And well actually no, I think it was like after he retired. But anyway, Jerry just like it's a two part episode where Jerry just becomes friends with Keith Hernandez. And uh he ends up dating Elaine. 
And so it makes everything awkward where, like, Jerry's all jealous, but he's not jealous of Keith dating Elaine. He's jealous of Elaine hanging out with Keith. Hmm. It's a great episode. I don't think I've like, seen that one. It's, it's a great two-parter. It sounds um, like it. And, and the way, like, their friendship fizzles out at the end because Keith asks Jerry to help him move. And Jerry thinks it's too big of a step for that early in their relationship, so he gets cold feet. Hmm. One of the more bizarre concepts for a Seinfeld episode. The fact that they got Keith Hernandez to play the friend uh, makes it more effective. Because they could have just got any guy, you know any what I mean? Mess. But but that's the whole joke, is because it's Keith Hernandez, it's this, you know, famous person. And now, uh, you know, Elaine's uh, hanging out with him and uh, it's taking time away from Jerry's Keith Hernandez time. Hmm. That's too bad for Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Great episode. Keith Hernandez is really funny. But the reason I mentioned it is because Keith Hernandez makes a joke to Elaine about how he figures he's going to be rounding second later tonight. And uh, Elaine's just like, well, I would look at the third base coach because I don't think he's waving you in. <laughs> like, it's 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 a good bit. Uh, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, eight, uh, 18 days, uh, Oscar season yeah. is upon us. Yeah, um, not nearly as productive this week as I was last week no. on the oh, movies, okay. no. I, I upped the productivity Good. on my end. So. Good. Actually, and I made sure to to touch base with Mike Wern, um, who last year was our resident movie expert and had only seen about like 20% of the movies. Uh, he he says that he's watched every major category, like every movie. Yeah, I'm not sure about that guy. Well, I mean, you know, put up or shut up, I guess, in a week. We'll see. Should, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to tell you the date for sure, for you people who are listening to this right now, but we don't know yet. So, so Sometime in the next 18 days. Yeah, like probably next Thursday or Friday, somewhere around then. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so what have you seen? What, what What's the update? Uh, where, well, this week I, I watched Ford vs. Ferrari. Nice. Which I was underwhelmed by a lot of parts of it, but also really enjoyed it. Um, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Maybe a little better than I thought it was going to be. Matt Damon was good. Uh, he usually is. Matt Damon's Steady Eddie. pretty solid, you yeah. know. Um, Christian Bale was fantastic. He usually is. Um... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. You've seen it. Yeah. I've, did you watch it last week? Did yeah, you mention I think it on I talked show? about it yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, you know what I did watch, though, was I watched the documentary about the same kind of subject matter. Okay. A little older. It's on Netflix. You can find it on there. I don't remember the name of it. But mm-hmm. uh, kind of dove into a little bit more about, like, the rivalry. Sure. More so than the, you know, the Ken Miles-focused Christian Bale character. Just kind of, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good piece to kind of watch after the fact, and it'll give you a bit of a, a, a broader insight if you're interested in the story, of course. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, the movie was, the movie was really great, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Christian Bale was kind of the glue that held the movie together. Quite honestly, like I, I, I wasn't really blown away by many other performances or anything like that. John Bernthal was good, hmm. um, but again, he usually is. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it definitely won't win Best Picture, but it was it was good. Yeah, it's has a spot at the table. I guess. Yeah, like it's 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 one of those movies where it's like just kind of a weird concept to me, man. That like, like I do think movies have gotten better. I understand why they expanded the field to being nine or ten or whatever number they want to choose every year instead of limiting it limiting it to five because you've got years like 1994 where like the five movies nominated are unbelievable and it's like. Did something get left out because of that? And you can make a case that, that, that a movie or two maybe did get left out because it's a limit of five. Um, 
But there are like there are very clearly like I, I mean I haven't seen all of the best picture nominees, but I can tell you that like Ford vs Ferrari and Joker are not movies that I think of when I think of the best movie of the year. Sure, um, you know, but someone's got to fill the quota, and that's what I mean. Like like it's nice to shout out Joker because people who like superhero movies are going to feel included in the Oscars, and it's the same same sort of idea with Black Panther, although Black Panther genuinely deserved a nomination. Um, but I don't think Joker did. Like I, I just, I, 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 the more I think about Joker, the less I think I like it. Hmm. And um, yeah, Ford vs Ferrari was okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, I watched Little Women today. Okay. Mm-hmm. How was Little Women? I mean, I've read Little Women. Okay. And I so you know. You know what you're getting into. I'm not a big fan of Little Women, particularly. Like I. So beyond the storyline, then the the acting performance. I, I, I see there's some nominations. Yeah, like I just I will say this about Little Women. Like I just find it in terms of literature, it's slightly overrated. But I I still admit that it's a really good book. Um, the movie was very well done. I will say that I think it, it definitely deserves the fact that it's been nominated for best adapted screenplay. I think Greta Gerwig did a really, really good job with that script. I did see a take, actually not a take, like a large uproar on the internet that Greta Gerwig did not get nominated for Best Director, and that she should have been nominated for Best Director, and and that she didn't because she's a woman. And I gotta tell you, I don't think she's in the conversation for Best Director. It was kind of sloppy at times. I'm not saying necessarily that the other five were definitively better than her, but again, it was a movie where I'm watching and I wasn't blown away by anything that the director would have done. Hmm. So, um, I I was okay with the movie, but it was a movie where very, very clearly the acting carried the load, I thought. Like, I thought they kind of held the movie together. Um, Saoirse Ronan was unbelievable, and she always is. Like, she's an unbelievable young actress. Uh, Florence Pugh, who I've never heard of before in my life, was really good. Uh, Laura Dern was unbelievable. Meryl Streep doesn't even enter the top three (laughs) actresses in the movie. She was great, as per usual. You know what I love about Meryl Streep is she has a tendency to play these sort of just old, cantankerous characters now that are just kind of bitchy. And she did such a good job with that in Little Women. Like, just some of her sarcastic comments. I was just sitting here dying. I gotta say this, probably one of her funnier roles and she's not even in it that long but um emma watson great i'm a big fan of timothy chalamet i think he's a really good young actor as well he was good in it like everyone was great and it's a movie that i think if it wasn't as well cast i'd be a little bit nervous about it the weirdest part for me was about two-thirds of the way into the movie and i guess i'll say spoiler alert if you're intending to watch little women um their dad comes home from the war or wherever the fuck he was i honestly don't even remember um and uh the minds yeah read, read read the book seen several versions of the movie and no i don't even remember what that guy where he was this whole time that's how interesting i find little women but the dad shows back up shit you not played by bob odenkirk nice yeah 
So, like, he shows up, and I die laughing, because I'm like, how fucking out of place is this guy in this movie? Filled with all these, all these, like, geniuses of film and cinema, and Saul Goodman's walking through the fucking door, where, like, with an Amish beard, and, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wearing this hat. He might have been at the mines. I don't honestly I don't even fucking remember where the guy was. But, the, like, just the way he's dressed, it's like, it's like, why would you have cast Bob Odenkirk? Five minutes into the movie, you realize that the dad is hilarious, and it's like, okay, yeah, Bob Odenkirk, for sure. But, like, I had forgotten, you know what I mean? I read Little Women, like, seven years ago, so. It turns out, like, the whole thing takes place in the span of, like, 12 hours, and he was just down at the, <laughs> down at the town getting milk Getting milk, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and back in those days, that was a full day. Exactly. It's like, God, I hope dad will return. <laughs> with the milk. And he comes back with the milk, and he's like, oh, yeah, thank got, God I made it. Yeah, we got it's milk so great to see you kids again. And he's, yeah. like, hugging and kissing him. I never thought I'd see you again. Yeah. yeah. Um for Ford versus Ferrari I would give like a seven out of ten. Little women probably like a seven point eight. Like it was good. Cool. I like how now we're just jumping in halfway with ratings for these movies. Yeah, that's well whatever. Great. I think I did last year and that's why I just remember now like <laughs> I gotta start rating these movies. Yeah, I don't know, like a like a like a it's a good movie. Okay. It's a good movie. Again, didn't necessarily blow me away. It is to some degree like a little bit of like Oscar bait. You know, mm. it's just one of those movies you knew with a cast like that, with a director like that. But it, it deserves to be there. I, I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, anything else? That's your, that's your week. I don't think week so. Th- well, what did you watch? I, something else might come to me. I don't know. Well, I watched, uh, I watched Knives Out. Yeah. Which uh, I forgot was not nominated for any of the major awards, but it uh, does have a nomination this year. So Yeah, what was the best, best original screenplay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which but- I got to tell you... Yeah, there's a case to be made. I, I was, I was, I liked the movie. It was entertaining. Um, I was a little let down by the plot. I'll say, I felt like halfway through the movie, it was like, okay, I think this is what's going to happen, but there's no way because this is way too elaborate for this to be the. And then it was, and it was like, oh, okay. I was like really expecting some kind of twist at the end. Oh, you you kind of figured out that yeah. it was going to be Buddy there, and with like the spoiler alert, but like. The whole idea of him swapping the bottles with with the medicine in it. I was like, I called that right away. Okay. And I called Buddy. And I was like, but there's no way. Like, something else has to happen. And then nothing else happened. Which is which is my fault for, you know, <laughs> guessing. Yeah, like, that's, that's one <laughs> thing. I mean, I don't watch as many thrillers as I used to for that reason. But, like, I don't find that I guess anymore. Like, I just kind of try to Enjoy sit it. back. And, yeah. With a movie like that, like, that's the idea of it. That would have been way better in theaters because you know, like how funny it is and everything like that it's just kind of meant to right. be enjoyed in a in a group setting sort like of I, thing. I watched it with madison and like she, she would like pause it and like every 10 minutes she'd be like okay no now i think this happened and then we'd watch her 10 more minutes like oh no no th- okay now it's this and it's like okay i'm glad you're enjoying this and you have all these ideas i'm still sticking to my original thought yeah so um uh, just to jump back in uh, on my part here, did I mention last week that I had watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? I can't remember if I you had did. watched it. Yeah, okay. You did. All right. Um, and then I watched uh, Jojo Rabbit, mm. which is up for uh, Picture of the Year. And? that I, I, I'll preface it by saying that I downloaded four or five films uh, last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think of the ones I downloaded, I had the least... You know, expectation for Jojo Rabbit, and it's probably my favorite of the ones I watched. Okay, so it really surprised me. 
Scarlett Johansson's up for uh, supporting actress. I, I don't think she's going to win a really good performance. Now she's going to start this whole thing, eh? Now that she's getting nominated, she's not going to, like, she's not going to win. Yeah. Like, based on what I've seen, she's no. not going to win for Best Lead Actress either, so. No. Because, um, like, I, I've seen two of the five, and Saoirse Ronan was better than Scarlett Johansson, so. Yeah. You know. But, she like, she, I think she just definitely deserves the nomination in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Like, she does great. That's good. But, I'm glad to um, hear it. I just don't think it's going to translate into a win for her. I could be wrong, but on a hilarious like if if you were to preface like if someone asked you what this movie's about and you told them a little boy in nazi germany mm-hmm. i don't think humor like black comedy would be the first thought in your mind sure oh my god is this movie funny yeah this movie is wild what's his what's his name buddy there uh uh taika watiti no from from vice oh uh, sam rockwell sam rockwell yeah his character unreal yeah like sam rockwell's a pretty funny dude like definitely like I, I again I look at the list I get why could have made a case for supporting actor yeah eh? like he is really fucking good that's what I mean really it's funny. like this, this guy can turn it on when he wants to yeah um if if you get the chance please go see Jojo Rabbit because I loved it yeah that that, well, I, I will be watching it in the next few days for sure um and then I, I got through like 80% of Bombshell I haven't seen the last 20 minutes or are you enjoying it? I guess uh, I'm. It's really good. It's it's very, it's very powerful. Um, yeah, and I found myself uncomfortable at points. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I actually haven't seen a trailer for it. I just remember reading what it was about. Is there a slight comedic spin to it, or no? Not at all. No. Okay. No. It's uh, it's heavy. Yeah. 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 Uh, and John Lithgow playing the bad guy. Yeah, right. And like he does a really good job. Well, he's he's, um, he's a good villain. He is. He he does he does the the, the role justice. He's a and, great actor. Um, but the women, honestly, a guy too. I remember reading like was in discussion for best supporting actor. Oh yeah. But the cast, like the group of five this year, is so like that. A year in which the worst of the five performances was maybe put in by Tom Hanks. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> as true. Mister Fucking Rogers, yeah, is one of the worst performances of the five. It's a tough nut so, to crack. Yeah, um, but the women in this in this movie, uh, Bombshell, Unreal, Charlie yeah. Theron, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman. Um, I love Charlie uh, Connor Britton. <sighs> what a yeah. cast! They 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 killed it. Um, Good. Yeah, heavy. I'm excited to see that one. To be honest but, with you. Very well done. Good. I think that's my if you up. If you would have told me, just quick sidebar, if you would have told me a year ago that um, Kathy Bates, Anthony Hopkins, and Joe Pesci would all be nominated for an Academy Award this year, um, I wouldn't have believed you. Very happy that I'm here. And uh, I, I'll even I'll even throw in there Antonio Banderas. I was just going to say, like, you know I what I mean? Like, like what the fuck is yeah. going on right now? Yeah. You know, I'm excited to see that one, because I like Antonio Banderas what a lot. What year so. is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Fucking Puss in Boots is nominated for an Academy Award here, so... That has been your Oscar update on Laced Up uh, Movie Podcast. Quick uh, quick sidebar, too. You went to Toronto this week. I did. We have a lot of stuff to wow, talk about we this do. week, but... Yeah. Um, you went to Toronto. How was your trip to Toronto? Uh, it was good, overall. Uh, I got to see my sister, saw her new house. Haven't seen that yet. It was nice to catch up there. How was the place? Uh, needs some work. Plenty of room for Not me to crash. Lie. Oh yeah, lots cool. of room. Lots. Right. The room is not the issue. Good. Um, That's fine. Yeah, bring a friend. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple trips to Home Depot or or in her neck of the woods, 
Ikea. Yes. And uh, you're good to go. Exactly. You know? Um, you caught a Leaf game. Uh, you did. Uh, a great battle between the Flames yeah. and Leafs. Didn't what care, a game. Didn't care for that outcome. Uh, you know what? I could have done with another 10 minutes of overtime, if I'm being honest with yeah. you, because that was a great game. Yeah, that was one of those games like I felt bad as like a homer just sitting at home being like, yeah, it's insane that we have a shootout anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's like... Just because my team loses, like I'm, you know what I mean. But right, no, it was a, it was a tough ending to a really good game. I don't know for sure, but I would be willing to wager that since the shootouts come in, the Leafs have got to be one of the worst teams in the NHL. I would shootouts, imagine, right? Yeah, like I just I can't remember in the 15 years we've been doing these things, ever having a team that was any good at shootouts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like I think. I think there was one year that we had like we, two shootouts in a season and we won them both. We had just... a goalie that was good in the shootouts, and I want to say it was Reimer. Oh, I was going to say Oh Ben. <laughs> no, well, that's fucking. I don't know. No, you know, um, it might have been Jaguar. Well, we had someone yeah, who was maybe. good in the shootouts, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. So one guy. Yeah. Out of the fucking twenty-five goalies that have probably played a shootout for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So. True. Um. So yeah, saw that saw the Leaf game, and then uh, we were we were supposed to go. So we had tickets to go see John Mulaney on the last night of our trip. Yeah, and due to some weather issues, uh, he had to cancel. Yeah. Uh, so I'm happy to report I'm going back in a month, and I'll uh, uh, do another Leaf game and yeah. report on that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll see you there. All right, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, John yeah. Mulaney, uh, February 28th, Toronto, Marion Hall. Uh, get your tickets now. Uh, proud sponsor, SeatGeek. And make uh, and make sure that you have plans uh, to go back down a month later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be the storm of the century, probably. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, hockey. Hockey. Should we get into it? That's, that's what we're here for, I cool. suppose. Something really dumb happened. Okay. Uh, well, since we recorded last. Yeah, again, like I did the breakdown. I don't remember in what order I put any of this, so. That's true. Um, what, what dumb happened? Uh, the, 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 the Pacific division champion from last season oh, Vegas right. Golden Knights oh yeah this stupid fucking I guess they didn't thing. win the Pacific last year it was the year before but uh, they yeah. fired Gerard Gallant yeah um, no word yet on if he got an Uber um, <laughs> but they did replace him with arch nemesis Peter DeBoer yeah well yeah a good coach to, to sure. replace but like could you could you imagine being that in that Vegas dressing room just like Hey, remember that guy that's been bad-mouthing Peter DeBoer for the last two years about how much he fucking hates him? Well, guess who your new coach is? It's Peter DeBoer. And now Peter DeBoer has to coach a bunch of guys that have been taught to hate him for two years. That's That must be a cozy environment. Yeah. Um, on a scale of zero to never, <laughs> um, did you think Gallant was getting fired going into the season? No. Was no, there any and, scenario? Um, no. To be quite honest with you, he'd be one of the few where uh, if Vegas came out and completely laid an egg for 82 games, I still think Gerard Gallant would have made it into next year. And what's so bizarre to me about this is, you know, I had heard a few weeks ago, like Elliot Friedman sort of hinted at it, that Gerard Gallant was working on an extension mm. with the Vegas Golden Knights. And not just working on one. Like, it sounded like it was pretty close. And now here we are, and Gerard Gallant is without a job. I don't really know where... Like, I, I, I don't know where Kelly McCrimmon thinks that this is going to make the team better. Because 
quite honestly, if you watch their games, if you look at their underlying numbers, if they get a couple more saves in what are not high danger situations, um, they're, they're, they have a better record. This is a team that in just about every underlying number is top five in the NHL. Most of them, they're top three. Like this has, like, this is, been one of, if not the best team in the National Hockey League this year. Yeah. And they're just not getting the results. And and that's fine. But over the course of an 82-game season, these things should level out. You know, you should get goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, you know, it doesn't look to me like he's cooked. It looks to me like he's got other stuff going on and is a little distracted right now. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we've said that about other goalies, uh, particularly the goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now that they'll bounce back and sometimes they don't very quickly anyway. So I, I don't really know. I don't really know what to make of it. I don't really understand the logic to it. They had won 9 of 11 before they lost 4 in a row. So this is a team that over their last 15 games won 9 of them. That's still pretty fucking good. And I don't really understand where the disconnect is here that... You know, the general manager and the coach were not on the same page. Like, I just, I find that hard to believe. Um, There was discussion that, you know, when he had gotten fired initially, that Kelly McCrimmon maybe had thought about going behind the bench and Peter DeBoer opened up an opportunity that now he didn't have to. And I really don't know what to make of this. I, I think it is genuinely one of the, I think, I don't know, I don't know that I want to say it's one of the worst coaching changes I've ever seen. It's one of the most unnecessary, though. Like, I, I don't I don't believe that this is a better team with Peter DeBoer. I think Gerard Gallant is a better coach than Peter DeBoer. I, I've, I've thought that for many years. And I think Peter DeBoer is probably a top 10 coach in the NHL. I, I think Gerard Gallant is for sure a top, a top 5, though. And he has been for his last two stops. And has gotten no credit. For anything he's done. And has gotten canned in two ridiculous circumstances. Like by all accounts he's a great dude. But this kind of stuff makes me wonder. Like does he say the wrong fucking thing maybe. When he's talking to his boss or something. Because I'm really like I'm really failing to understand here. This guy has been fired in two of the most bizarre circumstances. Of any coach in the last decade. Like two of the top five for sure. And... I, I'm I'm failing to find an explanation here. Hmm. Definitely one of the most surprising. Like you, you talked about, like it, I think it's the most surprising firing that I can remember, and the timing too. They're like, five games above five hundred. The, the The timing is odd to me. You, you talked about how they had won nine of the I don't know. You said fourteen, I think, or something like that. But nine of eleven, and if, then they if, lost four in a row. If the time to to if 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 you went into the season thinking there's a chance we fire this guy or. Yeah, we got to do something this year, and if it doesn't work, we got... Well, was the time not like the five-game losing streak in November when you when you had three wins in twelve games? Sure. Was wasn't that the right time? Because if 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 you're gonna get past that and you're gonna move forward after that stretch of hockey, which at that point I think is is much more critical to your season than you know early January when when you've already kind of worked yourself into this position of you know we're we're heading towards the playoffs here. Yeah, it's a tight division, but realistically, look at the teams around you, and you're going to tell me that, that Vegas isn't going to be one of them. Right. Or early November, 
when you're a month into the season, you got time to turn the ship around completely, and and your your choice is to go. Ah, oh, we'll wait. We'll wait till we're actually good, and and in a position to win, and above five hundred, and yeah. then we'll fire them instead yeah. of when you're, you know, six games below it. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Might have been a situation where, in November, they didn't want to fire him because there wasn't anybody that they felt that could take over right away. And like, don't get me wrong, this has been the season to not be a head coach in the NHL. Right. Like, the chopping block has has claimed almost everyone at this point. So. Well, well, yeah, because like, here's the thing, right? If you're a, if you're a coach in the National Hockey League, and you see Gerard Gallant get fired, like, it really kind of means to me that nobody's safe. Yeah. Because like. He was about as safe as safe can get, I thought. Like, coming into the year, like, like here's a list of coaches who, who are doing a great job right now that were more likely to get fired than Gerard Gallant. Is Todd Reardon. Is John Cooper. You know, and, and both of these guys are coaching teams that right now look like they're, they're Stanley Cup favorites. Like, if the Bruins lost six in a row, do they keep Bruce Cassidy? Probably should. But do they? Now I look at it and it's like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe they would have canned Bruce. Like, if this is the way that things are going, you know, it's going to be this revolving door. It might be. It's almost Because, like, like, now a team can go out and look and say, well, Gerard Gallant's out there. So if we lose six in a row, we can fucking bring in Gerard Gallant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, like, say say it's a Bruins just because it's the first team that came to mind. Now, now the Bruce Cassidy's out there. And then another team can be like, well, fucking Bruce Cassidy's out there. Like, we could fire our guy. And, like, mm-hmm. it's like, now it's just this bizarre thing where, like, Peter Laviolette is out there. These are two of the top ten coaches of the last decade, I would say. Mike Babcock. Well, seriously, yeah. I mean, you know. He's still out there. Yeah. And, it, and you know, it, it's almost comical to me in, to think that maybe the only guy that is safe right now is Jeff Blashill. Because the Red yeah. Wings are exactly where the Red Wings want to be. Yeah. <laughs> They don't want to... Well, there's no reason for them to bring in anyone right now, no. right? It's not fair to them. But to think that he's the guy that's safe yeah. is very comical when you're watching all these other guys get axed. And yeah, and, and and they're terrible. Like, they're like, absolutely terrible. Like, is Sheldon Keefe safe? I don't know anymore. Who knows? Like, he, he's he's best friends with the guy that hired him. <laughs> they bring in yeah. Gerard Gallant at the end of the year because it's like, uh, you know, like, well, Sheldon was just our interim. What? Yeah. Since when? Didn't you give him a three-year deal? No, no, we didn't do that. I, I would go so far as to say that right now, um, the only two guys that I would call safe is Sheldon Keefe and uh, Craig, Craig Berube. Berube, yeah. And that's I was it. Say you that. could go down every team. Jeff Ward's new in Calgary. You, you tell me you'd rather have Jeff Ward well, or Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Because Jeff Ward is is the interim. Yeah. So, and have they said that the that he was going to finish the year? I don't think they have. No one has said the only, anything. The only team that I think said that their guy is going to finish the year, well, two have, is Elaine Nasruddin in, in New Jersey. Yeah. And Rick Bonus in Dallas. Yeah. And so, but, I mean, if you're Dallas and you want Gerard Gallant, Peter Laviolette, like, is Rick Bonus your guy? Like, I think Rick Bonus has done a really good job there. Don't get sure. me wrong. You know what I mean? I think Jeff he, Ward has done amazing I think he's doing great. For the most part, yeah, he's done pretty good. They're on a they're they're killing it right they, now. They got to figure some stuff out for sure. But sure. I mean, like they're they're winning games, and that's kind of the main thing. So, uh, like, it's bizarre to me. That it's just like to go back to this. It's like like San Jose was the best possession team in the league last year in terms of Corsi. Number three was Vegas. Mm-hmm. San Jose was 
the number two team in the league for expected goals. Number three was Vegas. Like, if we're talking about Peter DeBoer maybe being a better coach than Gerard Gallant, they were both at the very top of the league with their teams last year with what I would say in San Jose was a better roster than what was going on in Vegas for most of the year. And then they brought in Mark Stone. And you know what I mean? Like, some of their younger players are better now. And San Jose's clearly fucking worse than they were last year. So, you know, I, I, I think, like, Vegas has the better roster now. But to sit here and say that Gerard Gallant wasn't getting the most out of this team is just, I think it's unfair to Gerard Gallant. I think he is, he's going to go down as one of the most polarizing coaches ever, I think, Gerard Gallant. Because it's like, it's hard to argue against a guy that's been fired three times in the last how many years, but when has he done a bad job? Mm. You know, I, I think it's insane. And you fired him on the first game of an eight-game road, road trip. Yeah, really bizarre timing. I, I, I think I, I think we both said that we 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 kind of we think DeBoer's a good coach. Yeah, I, I not, like Peter DeBoer. Not necessarily maybe better than Gallant, but he's come in uh, and so far he's got three or four points in his two games. Yeah, but kind of comes with an asterisk. You're playing Ottawa. You're playing Montreal. Two teams that you know you're on the road, sure, but two teams that you should be beating. And you need a shooter to do it for the second one. Um, well, they, they lost to Montreal. Yeah. You got the point out yeah. of the game, right? You, you're, you're not pointless in your sure, tenure. Yeah, yet. they might have won had overtime been longer. Sure. <laughs> you, they played Boston tonight. I don't know who won that game, actually. Now that I think Vegas lost. Vegas lost? Boston won tonight. Okay, so there, there's there's your first loss. Like, what's what's the end game here? What's what's the Is, is just making the playoffs going to be enough? Or do they got to win the division? Like, it's a tight division. One through five is separated by a point. It's one of those things where I've heard the point brought up is Vegas has got to have... The only logical explanation here is that either Drogalant pissed someone off or Vegas has analytics that we are not exposed to that they're trusting in this situation. Because based on all the numbers, you might have just fired the better coach. Mm. And it's not often you see that. Because a lot of times guys just get fired when they're clearly at the end of their road. You bring in someone else and the thought is, well, it's something different. You know, Nashville is is kind of the example. Like, Peter Laviolette clearly was kind of like, didn't seem to really be getting much more out of the roster anymore. He'd been there a long time. Maybe it's time for a fresh voice. John Hines' fresh voice. Maybe this will work. But in Vegas, like, this is your fresh voice. Guy's been there two and a half years. You went to the fucking Stanley Cup final one of those years. The other year you lost because of a freak penalty call against the team that this guy used to coach. It doesn't make any sense. It yeah. doesn't make any fucking sense you, to me. And I think it is easily to me the worst move that they've made in their franchise do, so far. Do you think LaViolette would have been the writer, you know, the, the, the better option here? Especially considering, like I said, like there was this animosity between Vegas and San That's Jose. A tough one. Maybe they don't have the same respect That's for a good the board. question. Um, I don't know. I like Laviolette better as a coach. Yeah. At least as a guy, at least as a motivator, I think Peter DeBoer is a better tactician. But it's tough. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I hear you. I don't know. It, it it might be kind of tough to take him seriously, but it might also be a bit of a kick in the ass to these guys, too, to be like, you know, this guy that used to be opposed to you, and like, now this is your boss, and you guys kind of have to straighten yeah. up and look at it one way. Like, maybe that's the way they see it. I don't know if I agree with that. No, but. I don't think I do. Like... I don't think you can tick in the ass your goalie to 
stop pucks well, magically. Right. So, yeah, really, really odd kind of scenario playing out there. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I wouldn't be shot if I missed the playoffs at this point uh, with this move because, like, I, I know I just literally told everyone that they're separated by a point between one and five, but read that as one play, one point out of first, read that as one point out of fifth. Like, I don't know. This this team does not look composed enough to, to do it. I can't imagine what some of those guys are going through in the dressing room um, losing that kind of coach. Inexplicably, yeah. like it, it, you, you can't even look at at the at the stats in front of you and go, yeah, oh, you know what, we weren't doing good. It's, uh, it's maybe it's a good thing Gallant's out. Yeah, like you can't even do that. You can't even reassure oh. yourself to any degree as a player that this was the right move. It's it's the first it's the first for sure move that the Golden Knights have made in their franchise. Where I think it's really hard to kind of make sense of this one. Hmm. It is worth noting that the Vegas Golden Knights have. Uh, almost a hundred more scoring chances than any team in the league this year. So, hmm. yeah, no, yeah, they they suck though. Where's uh, where is Mister Gallant's Uber taking him? Where where does he get dropped off next? I don't know, but I think it's going to be somewhere before the year's out. That's soon, eh? I I I I think I I've heard people have the discussion. You know, do you make a move now because he's out there? And I genuinely believe that Gerard Gallant is one of the few coaches that if you feel you need a coaching change and you feel that this is the guy, but you weren't going to make it this season, do it now. Because hmm. if you want him, I, I don't think Gerard Gallant's grow on trees, to be quite honest with you. Well, they're, They they're, just grow in the backseat of a taxi cab, I guess. I don't know. There is one team that has uh, one lonely win in its last six games. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets maybe a home for Mr. Gallant. I I, I know we're both big fans of Maurice. I, I think Maurice is doing a really good job given the circumstances, and um, it's tough. Like Maurice is a guy who, rightfully so, was toward the top of the list of guys that should be nominated for the Jack Adams a few weeks ago. And part of me kind of thinks he's going to work his way back into there. I, you know, I, I I've said this before, and you know, this might be. I think I'm more of a homer with the Jets than I am with the Leafs. You know, I think I'm, I'm a realistic Leaf fan, but when it comes to the Jets, you know, maybe this is just a biased talking, but I still kind of have faith that Kevin Sheveldayoff's going to do something, maybe not big, but just something to kind of help piece this group together a little bit as the as the year comes to a close. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> there are plenty of defensemen out there better than the ones you got playing right now, because half your defensemen are on a fucking IR right now. Yeah, you know, like Bufflin is what it is, but you know Nathan Beaulieu has been out for a while now. Like they lose Adam Lowry now. Like this team has been crushed by injuries this year, and they weren't really that deep to begin with. This was going to be a team where, kind of coming into the year, like they were looking at it being like, yeah, fuck. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. Otherwise, we're going to be leaning on some of the kids. And now you got David Gustafson's going to be playing in the top six soon. It's like you know, like it's tough. But I think Maurice has done a good job there, given what he's what he's had to work with. Yeah, tough situation, regardless for any coach. In that case, we'll move along to uh, the the engine that could that can't anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad Marchand appears oh, to be broken, missing a few wires. Yeah. The yeah, light bulb's some, not screwed lines, all the way some in. Some wires are crossed up there or something. That's that's pretty fun. It's <laughs> right? kind of cool. Hey, I uh, we'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, there aren't a lot of players that I actively root against. Like, almost none. 
because these are all guys and they're all trying to make a living. And I, I don't have any respect for Brad Marchant. Uh, I think he's a piece of shit. He's one of the few people I've ever blocked on Twitter. Um, I got to tell you, I had no sympathy for him on the shootout attempt. Because I, I have to tell you, and you've seen me play, I've never fucking done that. I don't even know how you missed the puck like that. I, I didn't even, like, I had to watch that several times when it was zoomed in yeah. to figure out what it was he actually did. How do you miss the puck? The Bruins hate the shootout so much that they're just boycotting them. Like, is that what's going on now? No kidding. Like, I, I really don't get it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I couldn't imagine being a fan at that game. That must be one of the funniest things you'll ever see. And fucking right on. I can't remember. Was that home ice? No, they were in Philly. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Even better, though. Because the crowd, no one cheered. No one cheered because they're like, oh, does he just go again? And they, they were like, no, he touched the puck. Okay. They had to review it. That's my favorite thing. I've never seen a shootout have to get reviewed before the guy touched the puck. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a first for sure. Never seen it. No. Never seen anything yeah. like that. I think, like, there was a debate. Like, they had it on Puck Soup. Do you think that that's the worst shootout attempt ever? Because I do. I think that I, I think that I is worse than going out and falling on your ass. I don't. I, I'll say no because it's not even an attempt. It's not even an attempt. <laughs> you got it. It's, it, it. It counts only in the sense that it is a technical disqualification. He didn't even get right into the. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen very rarely seen guys get disqualified. Yeah, there have been maybe a couple times I've seen a guy come in. Lose and stop. Yeah. I've seen I've seen a guy stop like complete forward full like forward momentum, and the refs are like, "Yeah, that doesn't count." But even then, like they get a shot off usually, and you know, mm-hmm. like they actually have an attempt. But I've never seen anything like that, and I, and I have to say it again: I don't understand how you even do that. How do you have so little focus that you just? <laughs> like, and then and then to to go out the next game and completely <laughs> just. Completely myth, like completely myth. Uh, That one was good. That was on home ice. So, (laughs) love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you, I fucking hate Brad Marchand. I got nothing good to say about him. And uh, good, good for him. Yeah. Well, good for us. Hopefully, he figures. Good for her. Good for us. Good for the economy. Hopefully, he figures it. I don't know how I want to phrase that. I don't. I know. I don't care. I don't care. What'd you think of the uh, the the social media uh, stuff that followed? Like what? Just the chirping? Yeah, him yeah. On, him on Twitter making fun of the fan, and then the next, like after the breakaway, making fun of himself. Yeah, I, I did see. Um, I did see one where someone had uh, put the breakaway attempt and the shootout attempt and put them together like side by side and had played yakety sacks and rewound mm-hmm. it and fucking played it forward and rewound it and played it forward and. It was pretty funny. Big fan of Yakety Sax. Yeah, yeah, stuff. Yakety yeah. Sax. Throw, throwback to season one. No kidding. Yeah. Throwback. Um, <laughs> that was a year ago. From fucking up on the ice to fucking up off of it, Bruce Boudreaux forgets Ooh. to fill out the game wow. sheet. Wow. Wow. Um, what, a, what a fucking brutal week. Like, this is... I try not to come on here too much and be like, oh, these guys are fucking idiots because, like, they're in the NHL and I'm not. But, like, what the fuck? How the fuck do you fuck up a game sheet that bad? Like, dude, I coach minor hockey. Never fucked up a game sheet to the point where the other team was like, yeah, your kid can't play. Like, you forgot to put him on the game sheet. I never fucked up a game sheet. I mean, you filled out more than I did. You never fucked one up. No. Just just take, take a minute. And here's the thing that I don't understand. This is something I've I've been wondering since I was 10 years old when Pat Quinn fucking 
screwed up the game sheet and put Robert Reichel on there the wrong way and they had to kick Robert Reichel out of the game like 20 seconds in because it's like, ah, he's, you filled it out wrong. Yeah. Why are head coaches filling out the game sheets at all at the NHL? Do you know how many guys work for this team? Get someone else to fill it out and then just have Bruce sign it. That's all you need to do. That's all we do at our level. You guys fill out the game sheet, you hand it over to me, I sign my name on it, and then it's good. That's all you need. How? Why is Bruce Boudreaux worried about the game sheet? Does Does Minnesota like they have other assistant coaches? That could be an equipment guy job. That could be something for fucking Miko Koyavu would make more sense to me than Bruce Boudreaux. Why is Bruce Boudreaux doing game sheets? Shouldn't you guys have a game sheet guy? Sure. Yeah, like a PR guy. Anyone. The GM would make more sense to me. I, I do. Bruce like, has got pre-game shit to do, man. I do like the idea that Thunder Bay Minor Hockey will allows us to apply stickers with the roster, and the NHL doesn't. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's fun too. Like what? Yeah. What? What is fucking wrong with this league? And where who, they think who, that this is the best system? Who did we forget? Be? Uh, ooh, who did? I don't know. Who missed the game? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see if we can find that out real quick. <laughs> Because it'd be hilarious if it was like Matt Dumber or something, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, no, I don't think it was any. It was probably like Carson Soucy or something. Carson Soucy. Nick mm-hmm. Sealer. I just met her. Uh, Greg Patterin. Uh, Greg Patterin, expected to play, is listed as a scratch on the game sheet. Uh, they had to boot Patterin from the bench. Mm. Greg Patterin. Former pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nice. So. And, and you know, like, my favorite part about this whole thing is that. Okay, you fucked the game sheet up. Okay, we gotta play with five defensemen. Let's make the best of it. Let's go in. A... Oh, hang on a they second. Got throttled. The best player in the world is back tonight, and Sidney Crosby's yeah. gonna embarrass the five oh, guys they got you had. Throttled. You know what? In... Leave two guys off the bench. It wouldn't have helped. Like, oh, just absolutely hilarious. Go, uh, go, Pens. Go, Pens. I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't see this one, so I'll, I'll let you kind of handle it. Um, I heard about it. I didn't see it. Uh, Keith and Taves. Uh, yeah, something at practice happened. Yeah, uh, Duncan Keith fought fought Jonathan Taves this morning. Like like fought fought. Apparently. Okay. Apparently, it did not look uh, like they weren't really laughing. They were not like. They see, were... the only thing that I saw about this was that Colleton said he had a comment about how I've got brothers and my yeah. sons have brothers, and this was. I've seen this before, and he's laughing and made it all lighthearted. So I wasn't sure how serious the whole yeah. thing was. But um, I, like I would imagine with Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves, as they've known each other and worked side by side with each other for so long, that they probably were able to just get over it a few minutes later. Like I don't really think you know. Like, like again, like it's just like fighting with one of your good friends with one of your brothers. Like it's just who cares? Yeah, you know. I don't really think... I think it's a little bit different if it's two guys that maybe have been at odds for, like, a season or something like that. I don't see that from Keith and Taves. I think we would have found out if that were the case by now. And I think they would have moved on from one of Keith or Taves because there's really no reason for both of them to be on the roster anymore unless they both work well together. So, um, my my immediate thought with, about this was, uh, are the, the Blackhawks going to win the Cup now, or...? Well... I don't think they're going to win the cup, but you know what? We can might make the playoffs. I, I was just, we can probably start talking about them in a the playoff spot now. Um, they have been on a roll as of late. Pulling it up here uh, now, they've they're on a five game winning streak uh, dating back to January 11th. Uh, in that time frame, they've beaten 
Uh, oh wait, no one good. Never mind. They're probably missing the playoffs. So there, there yeah. it is. Um, I believe they also lost tonight. So who did they play tonight? Oh, the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that game go? Yeah. Well, Joel Quenville first game back. Panthers. Uh, Panthers beat him. So yeah, I don't know. Like I mean, it's an interesting. I just I can't remember the last time two guys of this magnitude fought each other. That was kind of the the, the thing that that I thought was interesting. Is these are two guys who have long been associated with each other. Two of the best players of the last 10, 15 years. You know, two of the only players with three cups. And they decide to go at it at practice in a year where the team's not doing that amazing. And there's been a lot of discussion over the last few years. Should the Blackhawks maybe move on from Keith, move on from Taves, you know, and and try to get something for them while they're still relatively young. Mm-hmm. It, it's just to me, like, I, I thought it was a unique... It was a unique sort of fight. Never seen anything like it, quite honestly. No, you're not wrong. Yeah. I'll have to look that video up. And... There's no video of the actual fight. It's more so the, like, Keith putting his jersey back on and then picking up their gloves and stuff afterwards, and the hmm. boys are stick-tapping. And... Yeah, I don't Interesting. Know. It didn't seem to be too awkward, but okay. they didn't seem to be overly thrilled with each other immediately afterwards, so. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Um... Which one? Good for him. Uh... The one from Winnipeg. Isn't it both of them? Yeah. <laughs> Where is Duncan Keith actually from? Well, that's our new segment here on Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. Where in northern Ontario is Duncan Keith from? Yeah. The answer is Cold Lake, Alberta. A <laughs> little bit of uh, housekeeping, some individual notes. Brian Rust uh, having himself a season. Yeah, I have Brian Rust in both my fantasy leagues, so I'm a big fan of this particularly. Um, Brian Rust is playing uh, right now at what I believe is a 111-point pace. Uh, he also missed 15 games this season. And right now, I believe he has 42 points in 35 games? 43 40, points? 43, yeah. yeah. He's also uh, crazy. 7% uh, up on his career shooting percentage. So yes. I, I don't I don't think it's gonna last. Well no, he's but he's actually playing well. Like the, his possession numbers are way up and like he's actually doing quite well. His ice time is so, way up too. So it's Yeah, well it's, I mean that's, that's another thing. You gotta you gotta play someone when Sid the kids out. But yeah, it's crazy. Like I don't I it's just I can't remember the last time a player that average to bad had that big of a you know, like and he's scoring like every night. It's yeah. fucked. Like he has two points like every game right now. It's it's insane. He's on a great run. Yeah. I think it's interesting because uh, Brian Rust was uh, had a big reputation at being one of the best players in the league at earning breakaways and one of the worst at scoring on them. He's like Michael Grabner, except True. worse somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Crazy. I, I've never hated Brian Rust. I. He's fine. PDO's a little high. I don't mean to crap on him. I just I don't I don't know if I. And selling what he's, or I don't know if I'm buying what he's selling. Picking up yet. what he's putting down. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, good for him. He's got a, he's a career season already. If if he stopped tomorrow, if he missed the rest of the season, it's, no, it's still the best don't season. Don't talk like that. Oh. I need Brian Rust okay. right now. Okay. My team's built around Brian Rust. All right. Point wow. is, it's the best season of his career, regardless. So lately, I've been making jokes at work with uh, some of the other guys I work with that are also in our fantasy hockey league about how how good Brian Rust is. So, like, for example, like, we were, like, taking some, like, product down off a wall. And my boss goes to me, like, you know, this wall looks really empty. What should we do with it? And I said, you know what we could do is paint a mural of Pittsburgh Penguin forward Brian Rust, who currently right now, and then I just start, like, spitting off stats. I make those jokes probably five, ten times a day. It's been great. I've been I've been really enjoying it. 
right. You know who, what else I've been enjoying is Pittsburgh Penguin forward Brian Rust's record-setting season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, good for you, man. It's, I'll think um, of another I'm, one. I'm glad to hear that you're. Yeah, they, they got to come up Rust. organically, but I'll think. I'll yeah. think of one. Contract news: uh, Nicholas Backstrom has signed an extension with the Washington mm. Capitals. Yeah, a uh, five-year, forty-six million dollar deal. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Continue. Love it. Short enough that you're not like you know eating this until the guy's past his forties. In terms of like what the cap hit is costing your team, it's the exact same amount it was on his last deal. Modified no uh, no trade, so you still get some wiggle room if you want to move him. And I don't. I don't look at Nicholas Backstrom as a guy that's on the decline. He's he's steady Eddie. He's doing fine. He's still not quite a point per game guy. He's going to end up right around where he was the last you know two three seasons now in terms of his production. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not seeing really a lot of any, any red flags going up with this deal. Okay, I'm not as high on it as you are, uh, just in the sense that I mean I like I'm on kind of on the other side where I just I find it. Hard to believe that he's still that serviceable in five years, considering he has mildly been on the decline, though. Like, he has been, just nothing crazy. Like, he still put up 70-something points last year, I think. But, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of think that the Capitals are at a point where, you know, they already have some contracts that are going to be somewhat troublesome in a few years that I think it might have made sense to move on from them. Now, the good news is is that, you know, there has long been the discussion that, well, you can only have one of Holtby and Backstrom once their deals are up. And, well, Braden Holtby's making it pretty fucking easy for them to make up their mind on which guy they yeah. would want to keep right now. Braden Holtby is done in Washington. But I don't really know that I think Nicholas Backstrom is worth $9 million a year. And I certainly don't know that he is now. And I definitely don't think he's going to be in a few years. To me, I think this is kind of a situation where, you know, if Connor McMichael is projected to be a centerman, that, you know, maybe he can just kind of step in soon. And and that's, that is that, you know. And, and I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little unsure about the deal. He definitely works well there. It's better than Nicholas Backstrom signing this deal as a free agent with, like, the Dallas Stars or something. Where yeah. he's never played a game and you don't know if it's going to work out or not. At least it's a sound investment in the sense that, you know, if he can continue to just put up 70 points, at least you know that he's capable of getting 70 points with you. Yeah, I, I think where I come down on it is, you might be right, like like 9 might be a little rich for Nicholas Backstrom at this stage. But it's cheaper and shorter than any deal he would have signed anywhere else come July. So in that regard... I think the Capitals are well, getting a bit of a bargain. And, and like, one way I look at it, too, is, like, I, to go back, like, you're mentioning the years. And, you know, there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, it's $9 million, but it is only five years. Because, what is it, $46 million? Yeah. Like, there's a really good chance that Backstrom is going to go to free agency and go for seven, seven by seven. It's $49 million. So oh, he, I, what, I, he left $3 million on the yeah, table to stay here? I, like, I think he makes closer to 10 on the open market. Okay, but I, I, yeah, I mean, that that would be one of, the, that'd be the worst contract, I think, in free agency history. But um, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's good for him because he clearly wanted to stay there. Mm-hmm. And good on him for, you know, making it work. Maybe leaving money on the table. 
but I think if you're the Capitals that it was probably not that necessary to do. Like, to be quite honest with you, even if, you know, you don't have a prospect ready to go or you can't find a way to plug that hole for way cheaper next year, like, I'd rather Lars Eller just fucking play more minutes, to be quite honest with you. Um, than than to give them this much, but I don't know. Um, I, I think if it's a total write off, you just it's it's easy enough contract to move away from. You buy them out in a couple of years. If it's really that bad, you can retain and trade them, and it's not going to kill the team that he's going to. Was there no trade though? A minimum, it's fifteen teams he can't go to. So half the league is fair game. I don't know. Um, good for Nick Backstrom. I uh, let, let's end it this way. Because I think we're both on the uh, the let's see Ovechkin break Gretzky's record train. Uh, he's not going to do it without his guy riding shotgun, Nicky Backstrom. So no, yeah, I just I like the chemistry. He probably does, but I, I like the idea of Backstrom being there. Is you he been back with Backstrom now? I don't know. I just like the idea of the, both of them doing it. I, I like the idea of the goal coming off of Backstrom's so, pass. Let's but just... basically what you're saying is is that you don't even know if they play on the same line they anymore. They probably don't. I don't know. I don't, like, last I checked, speaking, they, they probably don't. I don't know. I, now i got to look the yeah. with or without you. I want, I want to see 40-year-old Nicholas Backstrom pass the puck to 42-year-old Alex Ovechkin yeah, to break well, Gretzky's record. That's okay. What I, that's what I would dream about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um... You you looking that up or we? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll mention it. You you move on. Do whatever you we can we can always got go some, back. Got some cheaters in baseball. Got some filthy, oh. dirty, lying, no good, <sighs> trash can banging, sign stealing, buzzer wearing cheaters down in Texas. We're gonna mess with Texas now, folks. The Astros in baseball. <sighs> We're a baseball podcast now. Like the, the laces are on the ball. Every time I feel like I'm making progress and like telling my friends that baseball's actually cool and that you'll like baseball, it goes and does shit like this. Where it's like, you know what I miss? Steroids. <laughs> you know what I miss was when the biggest problem that baseball had was, oh, the games are too slow. Well, that's easy. You can just put in a little timer and make the game move faster and, you know, like in theory this should work. And now, the biggest problem we have is that, oh yeah, by the way, you know that team that's better than everyone? Yeah, uh, they cheat. So like, you know, and and I just, I have to add this. It's different when you're talking about, oh yeah, the, the ball might have been slightly deflated. Or, oh, they might watch other teams practice. Then like, yeah, you remember all those home runs they hit last year? Yeah, they knew exactly what pitch the other team was coming because they were fucking stealing signs. Like, that's blatant. Like, that is literally, that is for sure cheating. The, what the Patriots and other teams may I, have done, I, it's a little different. I don't know if you can defend the Boston sports teams at the moment. But oh, I'm not defending can, the Red Sox. Well, because we don't really know what the Red Sox did quite yet. All, but, all, all of Boston sports. Uh, just, let, let's let's blame Houston. I think the Celtics defending. are clean. <laughs> they might be. <laughs> Can't yeah. think of Larry Bird ever shoving a ref over while like, <laughs> while he was like trying to foul another guy just so like he didn't really notice it happened good good for the Celtics the one clean sport team from Boston are, are you of the mind that the Astros should be stripped of their championship not only that I don't think Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman should ever be able to play in the league again but uh and continue on with every other player that you can prove no, wore no. the buzzers oh okay I I, I if you can prove buzzers, it, then, then the, yeah, sure. they should never, ever play baseball ever now, again. How do, how does the buzzers League. work? 
Because um, I know about the trash can. The guy in the hallway that was doing the trash can also had a button that would make the buzzer beep. Mm. And it would beep once if it were, like, same as he's doing the fucking trash can. So that way, if you can't hear the trash can, it's also buzzing right on your shoulder and you can feel like, like a taser going through your body. Well, it mm. wouldn't have been that extreme, but fair. imagine. Um, <laughs> the buzzer actually little, controlled them like a robot jolt. for three minutes. <laughs> you know what? At this point, I wouldn't even like be surprised if that's actually what happened. Yeah. Is the buzzer was controlling them? They might be robots. I don't know. Alex Bregman seems kind of robotic to me. I'm not a big fan. Never are, have been. Are you surprised no one caught the trash can thing earlier? Kind of. That there was no picture during a game going. This is really weird. So here's the thing: is like I don't watch a lot of Astros games. Feel like if I did, I would I would assume that it was like a fan related thing, maybe. Sure. But after a while, you know, you like I probably would have gone on Reddit and been like, "It's and hey, does anyone it. know like, about this?" And then that's just it because you're talking about like if if say you're not a Houston fan, say you're like, which you're not <laughs> certainly not. Let's let's say you're watching the Red Sox versus the Astros in in mid May, okay. It's not a one night affair. Like you're not you're not watching that game and maybe you catch it, maybe you don't. You're watching three or four games. Yeah. Like, tell me by game four the manager in Boston's dugout isn't going uh Right. Every time they throw a fastball, right. uh hear a trash like that seems like it should have been pretty easy to catch. See, and that's the thing is like I, I have to wonder, like, I don't know if maybe if the was sound it, maybe just didn't was carry it only that when much? they were behind, or I, well, no, as far as I know, it was all the time. But yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I tried to think as soon as I heard that, because like the the whole issue right now is, as far as I can tell, is that Alex Cora was the bench coach for the Houston Astros. But like that, as far as I know, is the only implication. Like there hasn't actually been one with the Red Sox in terms of anything in terms of, like a trash can or nothing like that. What they were accused of doing a year ago was using an Apple Watch to steal signs. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot more to to unpack with something like that, right? Because it's not, you know, it's not players wearing Apple Watches on the field beeping every time they should fucking, like, telling them when the ball is coming. Like, that's different, right? So, there hasn't been anything concrete as far as I know with the Red Sox, but... I tried thinking about it, and I'm like, I'm trying to think if I if if I remember hearing anything, watching games or anything funny like that, and I I honestly don't. And I got to tell you, the reason I am a Red Sox fan is because I listen to those, or I watch those games more so to listen to the atmosphere in the arena than like that. Like that's what I like is like Fenway. I like the fans. I like that's what got me into the Red Sox is their games are just fun to watch because the atmosphere when they're in Boston and. I don't remember hearing anything funny like that. So I'm kind of curious to see more come out about the Red Sox. We can learn more about what it is that this team that I fell in love with uh, apparently was trying to do. If they were trying to do anything, Cora's probably going to get suspended. And the debate is that, or the conversation is that it might be longer than what the guys in the Astros got. So that implies that not only was he cheating in Houston, but that he also cheated in Boston. But we just need to kind of learn more about what it actually is in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know, the, the weird one to me, like, it, what's been so bizarre about it is all the players and everyone just ratting each other out now, you know, which is like, I'm good with it, like, I, I think for sure, like, if, if these guys are cheating, call them out, I, I have no problem with, with whistleblowers, really, but... And wildly um, silent from the Astros players, who are, a few of them, very vocal, very, 
you know, pro the rules, see Verlander. Bre- see Bregman's interview? I did not. So they asked him about uh, if he's excited to go to spring training and stuff like that. He had, like, this big sort of, like, media scrum. And every question he answered with, you know, the commissioner did his report. And you guys read the report. And the report is the report. And he literally just kept saying that. Uh, which makes me fucking hate Alex Bregman even more. That guy fucking sucks. Also, what is he supposed to say right now? Like, I get it, but I don't know. It's just like, why? I didn't understand what he was doing a media scrum for anyway. Shouldn't you be hiding? <laughs> like, shouldn't you be, like, in Barbados where you can't be extradited right now? Like, you know, like, yeah. no, Bahamas. Bahamas? No, that's but that's to Canada. You, you tell me. Where can you not be extradited from if you're American? Where can you hide? Colombia? I think Dan is safe in Colombia if he ever has to run away. Yeah. That's because he has Colombian citizenship, though, no? Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Dan Diaz on the podcast. Verlander, notably uh, outspoken guy about cheating and sign stealing and everything like this. Yeah. Very silent. Haven't heard yeah. anything from him I, uh, to date. Th- it just doesn't add up. A lot of this just doesn't add up. You know, like like you're saying, like, I don't know, like, it's just so bizarre to me that to play for a team and find out that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And there's really no way that you can look at this and be like, well, it's not cheating. Like, they're, especially if you're a baseball player. Like, I'm just a baseball fan and I'm sitting here being like, well, that's blatant fucking for sure cheating. You know? And... I don't know. Like it's it's like it's like if I heard like Colin Colin to Jackie made a good like point this week to me is is that it's like if you had a shootout and the goalie in net was told if the guy's gonna shoot or if he's gonna deke and if he's gonna shoot where he's gonna shoot and if he's gonna deke which deke he's gonna do. Like it's it's the same idea. Except this is the whole fucking game, whereas that's just the last you know, 20 seconds of the night to try to pick a winner. Like, that. Like, like it, it is, it's inexcusable. Yeah. And it, it really makes me wonder where this game's going now. Yeah. It's, it's, where the league's going to end up. Like, it's, 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 what do you, how do you draw those lines? Because you're right. It was a, an unusual kind of circumstance. It's, it's one thing to say like no electronics in the dugouts and yada, yada, yada. But how do you stop guy in section 120 row 14 that brought his drum with him to the Braves game and yeah. is only banging the drum at fastballs? How, how do you how do you pinpoint that? How do you how do you stop it from happening? Well, it's, do they let people in the in the arena with drums? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's weird. They should stop. Maybe stop now. That, and that might and like you know what and that's it's unfortunate sucks. because it might come to something like that sucks for the, the poor fans. guy out there that wants to bring his drum he's right. fucked now it, it, it may come to something like the that Latvian where the, where the hockey fans team have can't... to lose some yeah. of their you know I, I want to bring the cowbell thing to the now I can't well that's and... the thing right because how do you discern like how how do you tell a, a fan apart from a team employee exactly. you can't no because like the Astros could just call me like the Blue Jays could just call me up tomorrow and be like Hey, do you want to come to, like, a game every two weeks and just do, like, a couple little things for us? Yeah. You're going to pay me to do it? Sure. Fuck do I care? I don't give a fuck. Right. Well, I mean, I probably wouldn't do it because I'd be like, wait, what is this I'm supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, just bang a drum. We're going to tell you if it's a fastball or not. And then you just bang the drum. Isn't that cheating? Yeah. <laughs> then I'll get thrown in a ditch somewhere. And... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Asian. The Blue Jays are not evil, as far as I know. <laughs> but I, I just those sweet, sweet, terrible baseball players yeah, of the North. I should have said the Twins. Yeah, well, much more go. evil team. Baseball, you can you can keep your signs, stealing trash bag, wearing coaches, and I'll keep my racist, abusive. Oh no. oh no! Both, oh, no. both sports are terrible. Uh, let's stop talking about sports. Let's talk about some movies. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the racist, terrible. Oh no! Thing. No. Oh, okay. No. Sure. We're, we're done with. We're done with all that. We're done with hockey. All right. Yeah. Cool. I don't yeah. want to talk about sports anymore. Nah, getting, I'm getting sad. We should start a movie podcast. <laughs> what well, if we just slowly morph this into a movie podcast, and then like three months from now, like just see if you guys notice, see if the listeners go up or down. Laced up a movie podcast. Why is it called Laced Up? I don't know. Laced Up. Lace Up. Lap Up. Looper. Yeah, then now it's what we're called. Yeah, but then we have to do a... Now now it's just going to be about Looper starring Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Terrible film. Where did where did Gordon-Levitt go? Where's he been? I feel I like know, he was like... doing a lot He lately. was like the guy for a couple years What did he do? There, I saw eh? him in something. Um, gotta tell you, really enjoyed him in uh, The Night Before. But that was a few years ago. That now. was a few years ago. Uh, Joe Gordon Levitt, what's he doing? Oh, he was also remember he's in the interview for like two seconds playing with a cat. Thanks to our guest this week, Joe Gordon Levitt. It just shoots to him and he's literally just like playing with a cat in another room. Um, oh, you know what's funny? He was in Knives Out, but it was a voice only role. He calls uh, he Anna, uh, uh, Knives Out. What did I say? I think you said the Knives Out, but he's in. If I heard you, he's in Knives Out. So you know at the beginning when Anna uh, uh, Anna Amos I don't know I can't remember her fucking character's name in the movie but um, she gets the call she needs to come back out to the house the housekeeper right so she's at home with her family and she gets a call oh. that she needs to come back out to the house yeah. the caller is Joseph Gordon Levitt oh neat so he was in Knives Out so he can take a few more years off he I don't know actually he really hasn't done much he's in uh, Comrade Detective which is a uh, a television show. He was in that a few years ago. Yeah, his last really big role was Edward Snowden. Maybe that's why. That was a good film. Maybe he got caught up in some stuff while he was studying for that. <laughs> he was in a movie called 7500 this year. Um, I've never heard of it. It is a drama thriller. And all that IMDB tells me about it. A pilot's aircraft is hijacked by terrorists. And, and then what? 7,500 feet? That's not that high in the air. That's that's what I thought. It's pretty low, actually. Uh, is the, he is the plane is, already going down? Is he a bad pilot? He is for sure the only notable actor in it. It was directed by Patrick Volrath. If you say so. He's done nothing I've ever seen. Uh, okay, top ten. Okay, top, top ten. ten. Top ten. What do we got? Uh, what, what did we do? I don't know. You're, you're the one who came the, up with uh, it. You should explain this one. Top ten best picture nominated films mm-hmm. uh, that are based about a true story. Sure. So... If you like true That's events. pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah. This yeah. is this is for you. Uh combination of both how crazy the story is and uh quality of the film. Quality of the film. Yeah. yeah so just combination of uh my my number ten speed. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> imagine, that happened? Imagine that was a true story. That's wild. Yeah. Uh it was kinda weird that I made a speed joke earlier and now we, we are back here watching speed. Yeah, speed's on TV. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Uh, is that French Stewart behind Jeff Daniels? Sure looks like uh, <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Jesus. Yeah, it's a good All cast. Right. Well, for for what is a really average movie, like below average, I guess. 
Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, and Jeff Daniels. Uh, two of those three people have been nominated for Academy Awards, I believe. True. Like, that's fucked. Number number 10 for me. I'll, I'll go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Sure. Number 10. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of recency biased. Big fan. Uh, number 10, Ford vs. Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Weird. I, I, I got really into the, the whole... Good story, though. The whole rivalry. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, a crazy concept when you think about it and just how it all played out. And uh, I thought the film was really good, too. And uh, that's my number 10. So, okay. Short and sweet. Yeah, I think there's a lot of joke potentials with this. Like, I could keep just, like... Like, naming a movie that is, like, clearly not a, a true story just to kind of throw people off. Number 10, Avatar. <laughs> Wait, when did we... Was that even nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> I don't even think it was. Fuck, I hope not. Yeah. Hitting its 10 sequels. Uh, my actual number 10. I will make a joke at every number, I'm sure. Uh, my actual number 10. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty from 2013. Nice. Um, in which Jessica Chastain and... Who else is in it? I have no idea. I don't remember. Um, Great film. Yeah, they... Uh, Late cut. Uh, they, they kill Osama Bin Laden. You know, spoiler alert. That guy's dead? True story. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, yeah, so, you know, great movie. Well done. I, I don't really know how, what more to say about it. Catherine Bigelow, was... who's um, followed up The Hurt Locker with this. So that's that's something. Was, was, I, was I the only one that was kind of like... A little suspicious about how, like, great film, but, like, wasn't that a little quick after Osama Bin Laden died by putting out a movie about how we can... Like, did it seem a little bit just too little politically, you know, propaganda-ish? No, no, he's dead, really. Here's the movie about it. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, they would have had to start working on that movie immediately, immediately. Because, like, Osama Bin Laden... Wow, this is a fucking dark topic, that way. Uh, Osama Bin Laden was uh, killed. <laughs> this is fucked. On uh, May 2nd, 2011. And this movie was released on December 19th, 2012. So, like, and I don't know if you guys know how much, like, move like, it takes about a year to make a good movie. It takes about a year and a bit to make a really good movie. Uh... Yeah, and this movie like won the award for best film editing, best sound editing. They like didn't edit it overnight. <laughs> like kind of weird, eh? Fuck, we should maybe change the subject. Uh, also in the movie, uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, James Gandolfini, Kyle Chandler, Chris Pratt, Mark Duplass, Jason Clark, who I uh, don't really remember him from anything else other than this. But yeah, good film, really good film. Um, if you thought Osama Bin Laden was bad, don't worry, we're gonna get to the Nazis later. Not really um, sure. Like the, my only issue I've always had with Zero Dark Thirty is I've tried watching it since then, find it hard to get into the second time around. I think it's a one and done watch movie, but I think it's I've really seen it good. Twice at most. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, number nine for me, Captain Phillips, Tom Hanks. Same man nice. from 2014. There nice. It there it is. Same yeah. Easy's. Yeah. Um, Movie's unbelievable. Yeah, I like how we didn't, Fuck that we, that's we didn't a true compare story. a list before this, so we had no, no idea. No, we this don't. This is great. Uh, Captain Phillips is a is like one of those movies that's wild that that's a true story. Yeah. That's wild. And, and like the other thing, too, is like I think most people, at least myself, went into it thinking, like, okay, so it's a big boat and it gets hijacked. How much fun could this be? Right. Pretty fun. Uh, a good movie. Well, for us. We, we enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm sure Mr. Phillips did not. I remember going to see it with a girl I was dating at the time, and... Uh, she got nauseous during it because of all the the boat moving. 
which I think was fair. Hmm. So uh, we got her to the theater, and she had to sit down for a few minutes and stare at the floor to try to keep from drowning. I don't know. Just going through this here quickly, like, this is wild. We got a very dark list of uh, subjects involved. Well, we'll, with we'll our, see. With I mean, you know, here. I already know another one that's going to be on yours that's on mine. That Yeah, I don't have a lot of happy... Oh, boy. I don't have a lot of happy... Wow. Ugh. I... This is the happiest movie on my... <laughs> I, I may have one that is happier, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number eight for me, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Ooh! Um, cool. I, I know that they kind of took some liberties with the plot. Sure. Um, so this is one where a little bit about the quality kind of makes up for some of those plot holes. But Yeah, it's good. Very, very loosely based on some shit that happened in the 80s and... Apparently, bankers were fun to hang out with when you had a lot of money. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. My number eight. That's a good movie. Yeah. I'm not fucking leaving. Uh, my number eight is Moneyball from nice. 2011. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is darker than <laughs> everything on my list because baseball is so depressing. I was going to say, it's this is where the Astros got their start. <laughs> Uh, maybe not the Astros, but the Red Sox definitely big money ball believers. Um, yeah, no, it's it's to me it's it's one of the best sports movies ever made. It is the story of how a sport was completely transformed. Um, actually, not a sport; several sports were completely transformed by this movement of analytics and numbers being able to teach you more than just watching the games and seeing what you see and. Um, the, the movement helps you under helps you understand what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, hockey wouldn't be where it is today. Baseball wouldn't well wouldn't be where it is today. Bas- right. Basketball, yeah. I guess, is doing better. Mm. Yeah. Okay. My number. My number eight. Money. Back out. Sad. Quick. Uh, number seven for yeah, me. Yeah. Well, my list doesn't get much happier. Number uh, number seven for me with his second appearance on the list, Tom Hanks Ooh. in Apollo thirteen. Mm, okay, yeah, pretty pretty nuts that this like Houston we have a problem. Yeah, we uh, and like Apollo thirteen, you know, it's a pretty unlucky number. I'm sure everyone was thinking it when it goes up there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Um, the fact that these guys came home is uh, pretty ludicrous. Like we're we're talking like what 1970. And we're going to loop men around the moon and bring them back to Earth and not kill any of them with less technology than a 2005 Nokia cell phone. <laughs> Pretty fucked up. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. Apollo 13. I didn't know that there was a room of 35 guys that were just meant to read screens that told you about television ratings. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, from lunar mishaps to baseballs, Houston's had a few problems over the years. Ooh, there it is. There it is. Houston's had a few problems. Number one, Harden and Chris Paul's relationship. Uh, <laughs> uh, my number seven is A Beautiful Mind from 2011. Or sorry, 2001. Definitely not 2011. Uh, Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, Russell Crowe plays... Well, uh, okay. It is a movie based on the life of John Nash and the book about his life won a Pulitzer Prize. This is a movie in which a basically world-renowned mathematician who works at Princeton University 
begins to experience paranoid schizophrenia. And his mind is kind of his biggest enemy by the end of the movie. And it's it's a tough watch, for sure, I would say. it's it's. I mean, <clears throat> Jennifer Connelly with one of the greatest performances of the last 20 years, I would say. But yeah, it's it's a really, really good movie with a very, very sad theme, perhaps. But um, it has a nice ending, I guess. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to have that take. Yeah, like, I mean... It's not, a, it's not the happiest ending, but hmm. um, also worth noting the cinematographer on this film, Roger Deakins. Nice. The legend. Yes. The legend so, himself. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's a Ron Howard film. Nice. Thumbs up all around. Yeah, I like Ron Howard. My number six is 2014's The Imitation Game. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty crazy thing. Benedict Cumberbatch really think about that. builds a computer before computers existed to stop the Nazis. It's a pretty crazy story, pretty to be honest so. with you. Yeah. Uh, Keira Knightley, uh, Mark Strong. The acting is fine. The film is fine. I, like, I'm like. i just blown away by the by the story. That's um, fair. Solid movie. Yeah. Just, just not, nothing too exciting. Don't get too worked up. But good, good, good plot. Good plot. Okay. Good plot, Watson. My number... What are we at? Six? My number six is The King's Speech. Pretty, uh, yeah. Pretty cool story. Yeah. Big fan of the movie. I think it's, you know, obviously one of the best movies of the decade. Um, I never knew he had a, a, a speech impediment until I saw the film. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, that's how wild it is that uh, the work that they did with him to, mm-hmm. you know, get him to where he needed to be to, to give that speech. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great movie. I'm a big fan. Well-casted film. Um, any movie with Guy Pierce, you've uh, you've got my vote. That's fair. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just crazy that this is something that a member of the royal family essentially had to do. So, um, yeah, good for Colin Firth. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know what? That's. I think I forgot about that one. Like, I, I definitely looked at all the options before this, but uh, I think that would have made my list if I had noticed yeah. it in my preparation because yeah. it's two of my favorite acting yeah. performances of all time: Colin Firth. <clears throat> And Jeffrey Rush. Like, I think that is one of the greatest tandems in terms of casting I've ever seen. They they are unbelievable that in that movie in terms of their chemistry. It, it, it's a great, great movie. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that an honorary mention on my list. Sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, number five for me, released on Christmas Day, which I found to be kind of weird. Schindler's List. Is that your number five? That's my number five. Schindler, yeah. Schindler's yeah, that, that's not a great Christmas. No, that's not a take your kids to cheer them up oh, kind of man, film. That would be like a wait till after the new year to release that one, maybe. I just be watching until the new year, the length of that thing alone. Never mind. Hey, oh. But, um, yeah, in case some of you have been living underground or born uh, long after the film uh, was released, uh, Oscar Schindler was a industrialist living in uh, World War II Nazi Germany. And, uh, while working at a Jewish concentration camp, helped save uh, the lives of over 2,000 Jews, many of them children. Uh, a very a very well-recreated story, very true to the original material. A great, a great film. Big fan. Liam Neeson, my guy. Uh, Schindler's List, also uh, obviously the subject of one of the most iconic Seinfeld jokes of all time, 
you were making out during Schindler's List? (laughs) (laughs) On Christmas Day? So good. So good. Well, we hadn't been alone together in a while. (laughs) Classic. For, For the longest time, I had never seen Schindler's List. And just thought that was the funniest fucking joke of ever. And then I saw the movie, and it's the joke's even funnier now. Yeah. So beautiful. Uh, my number five is the Social Network from 2010, which again I thought was one of the best movies of the decade. Now I was making this point to James before we started recording. I don't really know if it was like a a thing. I mean, like obviously since 2009, the number of movies that can get nominated for Best Picture has increased, right? Yeah. And so now, like, more movies make it in. Not a lot of movies, like, based on a true story nominated for Best Picture, like, prior to, like, the last 15 years. Like, the number was way smaller. It was a lot of original screenplays, which I guess makes sense. Because it's pretty easy to just piece together a movie about a fucking true story if you know a lot of the details, right? But um, The Social Network, one of those ones where I think it did the right amount of taking liberties with the story, kind of stretching it out a little bit. But most of the movie happened, and that's kind of the fucked up part for me. Like, most, like pretty much everything in the movie was based on a fact. Like, this is actually what went down. Hmm. Um, some of the dialogue, obviously, you take liberties. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the movie, I think, is, is an absolute masterpiece. It's one of David Fincher's best works, which, like, you know, the guy did Fight Club. Like, you know. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not a true story, by the way. Uh, but yeah, The Social Network, great movie based on a kind of a wild true story. So. I know. Yeah. Cool. My number, my number five. Uh, my number four is uh, Black Klansman. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. It, it's not on mine, but that's fair. T- tell me that a white, uh, <laughs> a, a white supremacist group received phone calls and welcomed in a black cop in the 1970s. Wouldn't believe you. Yeah, would not believe you. I honest to God would not believe you. You could make a fictional movie about it, and I still wouldn't like the film because it'd be too unrealistic. And I like Star Wars. It's fair. Black Klansman. Also, Alec Baldwin was in that film. Uh, I don't recall that. He's on the list of. Oh cast yeah, no, here, he's I, he's in the opening scene. I don't remember him at all. It's like they they put together like um, a, a fake propaganda film, and he is the the. I'm sure it's on YouTube. You you should look it up when we're done. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I just yeah. don't remember him being in it at all. He's the yeah. first build actor. Yeah. So. He, well, he's the first actor you see. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be hard to see that movie in theaters and the credits end and Alec Baldwin's just on your screen and it'd be hard not to just burst out laughing to be honest with you. But, Fair enough. And I think that's part of the joke. Um. Yeah. You, you know. You know what I found most surprising with uh, Black Klansman is I had no idea. That Topher Grace is the leader of the KKK. He is such a good white supremacist. Who, like, I never would have Speaking thought... Speaking of Star Wars. Yeah, no, shit. <laughs> I never would have thought little Eric Foreman would grow up to be the leader of the KKK. Like, if Red could see him now. Yeah. No. Uh, my number four is uh, Frost Nixon. Um, ah, Frosty Nixon. I can't believe that this interview happened. Uh, I, I, it still is wild to me that this is a true story. Um, I've seen documentaries about it. I've seen this several fictional films, but they're like, sorry, adaptations of the story. Um, yeah, it blows my mind that this happened. And, um, again, I will go back and say that this is another unbelievable duo of two actors just 
perfecting their craft for two hours and and feeding off each other. The energy in this movie, they absolutely nailed both of the characters. Nailed it. And um, I haven't seen this one in a long time, and this is one I've been really meaning to get back and watch because it's phenomenal. Like, this is an absolutely phenomenal film. Uh, If you've never seen it, I would recommend it. Uh, It stars Frank Langella as Richard Nixon and Michael Sheen as David Frost. Hmm. Also includes Kevin Bacon, Rebecca Hall, Sam Rockwell. The music is done by Hans Zimmer and is directed by friend of the podcast, Ron Howard. Because I just mentioned him a couple minutes ago. I know I got it. Friend of the show now. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Big Ron Howard guy. Big Arrested Development guy. Uh, Number three. Uh, for me, and I, I can't believe it's only third because when you're talking about a guy, uh, now here's a guy that meet, that gets to meet President Kennedy. Hey man, Apollo 13 is also a Ron Howard movie. Nice. I didn't know that. Big fan of the pod. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, not only does this guy meet Kennedy and Johnson as presidents, but uh, he, he's a he's a, a war vet. Uh, he's in on the Watergate scandal. He wins a national ping pong tournament. Forrest Gump. What? Uh, honorary, true to life, uh, American hero. Uh, no, uh, number three for me is Darkest Hour. Boo. Uh, well, not 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 boo Darkest Hour. I hope no boo. No. Yeah. boo. boo Forrest Gump. Boo. No, I meant more so boo to your joke, but to a lesser extent, boo to Forrest Gump. Fair. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, my favorite part about Forrest Gump is Lieutenant Dan, Big which, fan. like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Who says no? I love Gary Sinise. Yeah. Guy's great. He um, should make a comeback. Darkest Hour. Where the hell's he been? I, Gary I, Sinise? I, I don't know. Is, is he still doing acting? I thought he retired in like 2000. Come on. Get like, get out he there, doesn't Gary. doesn't have any legs. Gary, uh, if you're listening, you should get back out there. Friend of the podcast. We should have Gary Sinise on. I think he's a Rangers fan. Again, man, you, you line up the guests. I'll talk to them. I think but... he's a Rangers fan. I could be wrong. Anyway. Uh, Darkest Hour, uh, the story of Winston Churchill, uh, the pres- uh, the prime minister that should not have been prime minister, holds true to his uh, morals and uh, saves uh, Great Britain from the uh, jaws of fascism. Pretty crazy story, pretty unreal movie, I'm not going to lie. It gets a lot of a lot of movie points for, on my list and kind of bumps its way up the list as a result. So there you go, Darkest Hour. Gary Sinise is a diehard fan of the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago Bears, so I'd imagine he likes Blackhawks. He is from Chicago. Didn't know that. I thought he was a Rangers guy. I thought he was from New York. Maybe he lives in New York. He might. I think I might have just seen him in a movie one time with Susan Sarandon and just assumed they're both Rangers fans, like they're friends or something. Go Rangers. Do you know Forrest Gump was one of his first movies? It was like his seventh credit. It's fucking pretty impressive. Yeah, especially for a guy with no legs. True. Uh, he's in the movie Bruno in 2000, not the Bruno that we've come to know as a Sasha Baron Cohen movie. Uh, he stars as Dino Battaglia. Battaglia? His cousin. cousin. I was going to say, that's yeah, going to be a... Cousin Dino. Yeah, he hasn't done much in the last, like, 15 years. Um, what am I on? Number three? Uh, I think so. My number three is Schindler's List. For everything James said, Oscar Schindler. Liam Neeson. Good film. Kind of insane that it's a true story. I would not suggest watching it. If you're in a low mental state, you're going to want to be kind of in a somewhat upbeat mood before you watch that, because uh, yeah. it's going to take a lot out of you. Yeah. yeah, number three, Schindler's List. 1993, the oldest movie on my list. There you go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think Azilda's on my list, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two for me is Moneyball. Okay. Um, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have the same number one. The second <laughs> the second greatest sports story uh, about baseball once the Astros documentary comes out. Mm. You know what I was thinking is that's going to be a hell of a 30 for 30. <laughs> it's going to be like eight parts. <laughs> one hour each. Alex Gibney directing. Let's go. Do you know that Gary Sinise has a band called the Lieutenant Dan Band? No, but I love him even more now that I know that. And they exclusively play to uh, USO tours. Hmm. It's pretty cool. He's in 13 Reasons Why. I've never seen the show. Huh. Didn't know that. Did you know that? No. He has been in, in five movies in the last 15 years. Hmm. One of them is the Lieutenant Dan Band for the Common Good documentary. Uh, he's quoted as saying, Careers are like rockets. They don't always take off on time trick is to keep the engine running is his engine still running i love gary sinise i I hope it is um my number two is 12 years a slave true story eh? that's fucked that's fucked that that happened like i i i know slavery happened (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that particular story happened yeah 12 years a slave is a is a is a true story um what is most bizarre about the story though and it and it it doesn't take away from the movie, but it kind of leaves the movie on, like, the most bizarre note. Is that he, like, spoiler alert, is a slave for that long, gets rescued, and gets, like, is able to return to his family and, and be a free man. And, like, less than a year later, went missing and was never seen again. So, like, did they, did he end up back as a slave somewhere? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, what happened? It's it's a kind of a fascinating mystery that we'll never know, and it's not a pleasant one by any regard. But right. it's like, what the fuck happened to the guy? Like, you know what I mean? Where did he go? Um, he managed to write and publish this memoir. Disappeared in uh, 1857, I believe. Reports him alive in 1863, but a lot of people believe that he had been kidnapped again. So. Pretty wild. Pretty dark. This is really depressing. Um, if you've never seen 12 Years a Slave, it is not an easy watch. Um, perhaps the saving grace, if you uh, are in a maybe, you know, don't want to watch something super heavy. The cast is great. cast is unbelievable. Chiwita Loja for, um, unbelievable. I, I believe won the Academy Award for it that year. Um, you also got, no, he didn't actually, because fucking Matthew McConaughey. That's the most, st- I, I maintain the most stacked cast of Best Actor nominations I've ever seen. Uh, Michael Fassbender, Benedict Cumberbatch, Paul Dano, Paul Giamatti, Lu- Lupita Nyong'o, who won the Academy Award that year. Sarah Paulson, Brad Pitt, I, I'll just spoil it for you. Brad Pitt is the guy who rescues them from the from the plantation. It's almost hard to not kind of find it funny for a minute, because it's like, Brad Pitt produced this movie, and you just, like, a, like because there's no opening credits, really. So it's just kind of like, I wonder who's in this movie, you know, if you don't look up the cast going into it. Sure. Brad Pitt just shows up three thirds, or three quarters of the way in and is just like, hey, so what, what, what's going on around here? Like, what's going on? Like, and no one's, like, talking to him, and it's like, are you guys, like, slaves? Yeah. Oh. All right, we're gonna get you the fuck out of here. Like, fuck that. It's pretty cool. Uh, Steve McQueen, the director. Hmm. So just to recap, before we get to number one here, uh, we've dealt with uh, subjects of 
pirates, uh, the KKK, mental illness, uh, slavery, Nazis, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden, Face- um, Facebook, perhaps one of the greatest evils. Yes, <laughs> ruined an election. And um, my next topic, Frost Nixon, um, abusive priests yeah. in the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. I have, the, I have the same number one. What a heavy, heavy list we put together. Yeah. Spotlight. I, I can't believe that they were able to bust those guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in the movie, the movie is so good is because, like, you know, you've seen movies before where it's like, oh, damn, I wonder if we're going to be able to catch these guys. And having not known anything about this particular story going into it, I'm watching this movie thinking, like, yeah, this is not going to have a happy ending. Like, this is going to be, they're going to fail, and it's going to be like, well, we tried. No, they fucking get them. Like, mm-hmm. they get a lot of these guys. Yeah. It's wild. It's great. The scene, the scene in which Rachel McAdams goes to the one guy's house, and he just openly is like, yeah, I, I, I used to molest boys. And it's like, what? What? It, it, it's such a well done true story because a lot of these ones it's like ah fuck like you're taking liberties left and right and spotlight it's like pretty much all there well like, it this was is what printed happened. in the press so it's yeah you know, it's pretty hard to deviate that's what know. i mean right and they they didn't really deviate very much from yeah the yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a really powerful movie and uh needed but, needed to be made you know, oh, yeah. a, a lot of times with these movies, I tell you that they, they didn't need to make this movie. You're going to hear that quite a bit next week on the Oscar bonus uh, episode. Um, Spotlight is one. I can't believe it took them that long to make it. True. You know. Yeah, yeah pretty uh, pretty crazy. Um, I, I can't remember. I, it, was, it was my second favorite of the decade, I think. It was up there. Um, it was up there. Like, I... And it, it's one of those movies where it's it's a really dark, heavy theme, but I just love watching it. Like I've watched it a few times now, and it's it's like, really well done. Yeah, and every time it's it's like holy shit! I didn't notice that the first time, or it's mm-hmm. it's not like a film that you watch once and it's you get to take it all in the scope and the magnitude of what's what's happening. Really unbelievable story. The the segment at the end there where they list all the cities that have had. Mm-hmm. Um, issues like this uh, with the, the Catholic Church just kind of sends a shiver down your spine the first time you see it. It's a wild and, list. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry for depressing everyone at home with our top ten this week. Yeah, um, yeah I didn't really realize how uh, how how that was going to bring you down. Yeah. You know what's you know what's interesting too is of my uh, my four honorable mentions, they're all more upbeat than anything that ended up on my list but uh my honorable mentions milk from 2008 which well actually it's uplifting till the final five minutes um takes a pretty sharp left turn yeah oh yeah yeah that's a hard turn uh fargo which i mean the overall story is not like uplifting but the tone in which it's done it's fucking hilarious uh goodfellas and uh, Raging Bull from 1980, starring Robert De Niro. For those of you who don't know, Robert De Niro used to be an actor. And he was in Raging Bull one time, playing the fighter Jake LaMotta. And holy shit, is it ever a good movie. Probably my number 11, I would say. Raging hmm. Bull was my, my, my late cut. Fair enough. Unbelievable movie. Okay. Yeah. Black and white. True. Yeah. Just like Schindler's List. True. Mm. 
true. Uh, basically what we're saying, kids, if you want to win an Oscar, put your movie in black and white. The artist, wasn't the artist in black and white? We should uh, we should record our next episode in black and white. Sure. Sure. I thought you we were going to say what we should do is the ten worst movies to ever win Best Picture because it'll just be me yelling about Slumdog Millionaire and the artist for uh, for five minutes. Honorable mention to Shape of Water. Actually, Green Book was really not that good of a... Yeah, we could do that. Should we do that? Ten worst movies to ever win Best Picture. It's probably going oh. to be the first ten that ever won. I'll do it. Well, no, come on. They're all silent and... Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is an awful film. In, in like, 1938, like, the movie's, like, three minutes long or something like that. It's a short film. All right, so 1920, uh, the film was called Train at the Station. It was literally a train pulling into a station. Charlie um, Chaplin getting on and getting off the... <laughs> no sound, no actors. I could barely even tell if there was people on board. Uh, just awful. I don't know who directed this piece of shit, but... I'm glad I said uh, the year that I was chirping was 1938 because the movie was You Can't Take It With You, which I assume is just like a guy trying to get on the train with like a beer or something and they're like, yeah, you, you can't take that with you. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just bad. like 12 minutes of that. Because 1939 was Gone with the Wind. I can't really make fun of that one that easy. Gone with the Wind over the Wizard of Oz that year. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, a tight, that's, a, that's a tight group. Yeah. It's, yeah, good I guess to know, it's good to it's, know that the outbreak of World War II, we were still making quality films. So blows my mind that Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture. Like, yeah, no one liked Orson Welles, man. Like what? Yeah. Okay, uh, that's that's laced up for this week. Laced up a movie podcast. Uh, find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Twitter, Clomper, Portugal Radio. Same place. I don't know. You know where to find us. Like yeah. it's you know what? Like most of you have our numbers. Just text us. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, you got anything going on? Anything on the horizon? No. Nothing. Okay. We should be back uh, Monday next week. We were late this week because James was in Toronto. And then we had uh, we had an engagement that night. And then uh, we were hung over the next day. So we're recording on Tuesday night. This yeah. Week. This so. is a free uh, podcast. So fucking be happy with what you get. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Deal with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, try to watch all the movies because we're going to talk about them soon. So. Okay. Goodbye. See ya. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone!
an empty home Like a thousand stories Begging not to go untold But in the light